the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report, giving you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Glad to have you with us today. My name is Jeremy Stallnecker. I'm here with Chad Robichaux. And uh, we're jumping into a topic today that some of you may resonate with. This may be an important conversation to you. Others may hear the topic and say, this is not what I'm interested in. Today we're going to talk about faith, and in particular, faith in America and faith in culture and the impact that faith has on our culture. And regardless of where you fall in your understanding of faith or belief in the need for faith, uh, I'd ask you to give us a few minutes. We're going to talk about this and, and hopefully outline some of the changes in our culture related to faith and the need to have faith and to understand what exactly that is and the impact that has on our culture. I've heard people say this is not a Christian nation anymore. Right. And not a nation of faith. And, uh, and you know, the, I think the fastest growing uh, demographic, faith demographic in the, in the United States right now is uh, none. None. No. None, right. No so, faith. I mean, um, yeah. so where, where does it come from? Where's the loss of our faith come from? What's it say about the future of our country? Right. Yeah, this is a, a very, very important conversation. And uh, to talk about that, our guest today is Pastor Stephen Chappell. Uh, pastor Chapel is uh, the pastor of Coastline Baptist Church in Oceanside, California, and uh, you know, full disclosure, he's been my pastor for uh, about 21 <laughs> years, I guess. So we've known each other a long time. Um, but uh, you've been in the same community for a long time, and uh, Oceanside is an interesting place, kind of this this region, uh, particularly as it relates to this conversation, because a lot of folks here, there's the military, huge military influence, but it's also a beach community. So you have people really from kind of all walks of life, many of whom would have uh, deep faith connections and some who would say, I'm here because I like to surf and spend time in the water and, and fish and uh, I don't care about faith. Uh, so really interesting environment in which to plant a church um, and then to grow a church. And you've been doing that for a long time. So as we started talking about this conversation and talking about faith, uh, wanted to get your perspectives on this. Um, but before we jump into specific questions, and we have some specific questions, uh, can you talk about maybe how over the last 21 years, the, the uh, influence of faith in this area, and this is the area that you've ministered in for a long time, has changed. Uh, kind of the atmosphere around faith, and as you reach people and talk to people, and have learned different ways to communicate faith to people, how has that changed in the last 21 years? Yeah, it's changed a lot, and the pace of change, it, it seems to be quickening. Yeah. You know, back when the church was getting started 20 plus years ago, and even before that, I recall that in general, uh, the church, in quotes, you yeah, know, right. was looked upon favorably as an asset to the community. Um, pastors in general were respected as at least good people, a benefit to the community. And over the years, unfortunately, at times of our own fault, various scandals and things not being sure. dealt with the right way, there's been a, uh, a lessened view uh, of the church. But as it comes to conducting ministry, you can't take for granted that someone will know who Adam and Eve were or that they've had an experience. And, uh, you know, routinely I'll speak with people today who will say, I've never been in any kind right. of church. And so 
it's almost like a missionary who goes to a culture that is not familiar with what we would say are the things of God, things of the Bible. And uh, you have to really be more careful to teach and, and bring people into the truth. Um, that, that presents its challenges. For me, it's exhilarating. There's nothing better for me than to share what Christ has done in my life and what that can mean for them and to see lights begin to come on. But there's definitely been a transition, you know. Yeah. So Chad mentioned this, the fastest growing religious demographic <laughs> is that of none. Yeah, so just right. identifying, I, I, I don't have a particular faith system or belief system necessarily. Uh, reports have come out recently talking about millennials. Everybody's against millennials, right? We all hate millennials. We hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but we're always mad at them all the time, right? Everybody's mad at millennials. Um, but now that millennial group is getting old enough that they've been studied long enough, uh, that interesting studies are coming out. One is that millennials, uh, by and large, get to the age where they can decide if they want to continue going to church, and they're deciding not to. That's not unusual. That, that generally happens around 18, 19, the early 20s. But, but generally, historically, the group of people that would walk away from church come back later on, later in their 20s, their early 30s, as they're establishing their own families. This group that would be classified as millennials now, however, uh, something like 30% have walked away from the church to never return. Now, they still have a lot of life in front of them. They may return. But this is a shift, people walking away and not looking back. From your perspective, is that a departure from faith? Is that a lack of faith? Or is that just a departure from what we might call organized religion, um, you know, the church and some of these other things. I, I think we're very negative about that, but is it as negative as it looks? Let me start by saying I don't hate millennials, okay? <laughs> um, I, I, think, I don't either, but it seems I, like I, everyone I'm, else I'm just kidding, yeah. but they, they have a lot to offer, and, and I enjoy engaging them and working with right. them. And what's interesting is we segment everybody today. Everybody yeah, wants crazy. their group. Right. Okay, well, let's break millennials right. down. <laughs> They're from their young 20s to closing in on 40, and so even within that group, it's amazing how diverse they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, as our world has changed, and, and it is, wasn't many years ago people would get out of high school, maybe go to college or trade school, and then it's like they're married and they have kids. Well, churches by and large, oh, we've got a great children's program, youth program, and ministries for families. And there's this segment that mm. we've just overlooked, and it was really just a small part for a long time. But now people are waiting much longer to get married and have kids or even deciding not to, you know, forego a family. And it's a segment, to be honest with you, we've, we've just overlooked at times. And uh, I, you know, I think there's another factor is young people are brought up and as they go off to colleges, as our country's changed, this, uh, I'm painting with a broad brush, sure. this wouldn't be the case in, in every instance, but there's not just an ambivalence towards Christianity today, there's absolutely a, a hatred for it in places and, and it's attacked. And, a lot of young people who've been brought up, and, and the number you gave is right, 30% have walked away, but um, you know, they say that really about close to 60% of millennials brought up in church have left the church, mm. wow. and that indicates there was not this foundation spiritually, and, and, and those that have had a different worldview or a worldview absent of, mm -hmm. of God, uh, they've been able to undercut that. and, and uh, it's been detrimental. Now, the question is, will they come back? Um, you know, I'm hopeful they will. I, I believe this really does present us with an opportunity yeah. to kind of look at the way ministry's yep. done and what we've been doing yep. and uh, to tackle it moving forward. What well, we you, could do differently, right? Exactly. Do, yeah. do you think that's a reflection on faith, though, or a reflection on the church? Yeah, okay, so, you know, those that said they're never coming back, that 
that would be an indication that, you know, Jesus said, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, sure. Lord. I don't know anybody's heart. I'm not judging anybody. But, um, and the Bible also speaks that in the, the last times, which theologically speaking, we're living in that era of history from right. a biblical point of view, that there will be a falling away. And so uh, although this is a problem, it's, I think, part and parcel with the day in which we're living. Um, but I, I think for some, the church has just been fired. That's mm -hmm. simply it. They've evaluated the church, come to the conclusion there's, there's no there value here. I've, I've talked with, with numbers who are just what we're talking about today. People brought up in church and, and they've left. And, and uh, but, you know, they'll often say, I, I don't make any connections there. A lot of what's talked about is not relevant to my life. And that would be an indication that more connections need to be made. Mm -hmm. And as churches, we often talk about our programs and, you know, how, how everything's to work. And we try to fit people into what we're doing. And one great thing about millennials is they're fiercely independent. They're going to do their own thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And they want a relationship. And when done right, there's nothing better than a relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship with the body of Jesus Christ, with brothers and sisters who are, in essence, heading the same direction you are in life. Yeah. And so... Yeah. Uh, we've missed that, and we can do better at that. Good. Yeah, we, I mean, we people in the church, and you know, I think everyone at this table, and I, I know both of you guys, we are we're all Christians at this table. But I, th I think people in the church blame culture, like uh, you know, they blame the reason that faith is in decline, the reason people aren't going to church anymore, the reason, reason millennials are leaving church and never coming back. It has to do with the culture. When I, I think it's the opposite way. I think we need to take responsibility as a church. And uh, point the finger at ourselves instead of pointing the finger at the world around us, saying, "Hey, what what are we what are we doing wrong? What can we do different?" And so, I guess my question for you is, what role does the church and do do Christians have in this uh, this decline in faith faith in our country? Well, you, first of all, you're exactly right, and it's kind of like red meat preaching, you know, throwing yeah. the meat out there <laughs> to say, "Oh, the culture." And you're mad at get, everybody. Yeah, you'll get yeah, crabby yeah. Christians who are yeah. just so frustrated with <laughs> that rock and roll. That rock and roll music. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, you <laughs> know, you, you're right. Out, right. It's fun to point <laughs> fingers, but you know, as is he, I'm thinking of passages in the Old Testament where, I mean, God was saying, "My pastors." In the Old Testament, we think of that as uh -huh. shepherd in the New Testament context. God always said, "Hey, it needs to start with my people," and and we talk about revival. Right. You know, that has to begin with people of faith. So do I love everything that happens in our culture? No, I don't. Um, one of the best definitions of culture I heard is the house where people live. Mm. And the culture is just where our world is living today. It does no good to chuck rocks at their house. Mm. We've got to go in. And, and I mean, the church absolutely has a role. I believe the church is the pillar and ground uh, of the truth. We're to lift up the truth. And... Um, Something interesting, I believe, happened back in the 80s and 90s in church where in an attempt to be relevant and mm -hmm. cool and accepted, it became a lot more about the style than the substance. And we wanted to get really wide to the neglect of getting deep. And it did attract a crowd, but a crowd does not make a church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we're seeing in the form of departure is the lack of truth that's being declared, of discipleship that's being done, of preaching that's true to the word, done in, in yeah. the right spirit with the right attitude. Um, but it, I, I think it's a little bit of a shallow Christianity that rings inauthentic with with a generation yeah. that wants yeah. to see something that's real. What is the importance of faith? And so I think this is an important question. Um, people 
maybe watching this conversation or listening to this conversation, may just cross their arms and say, why does it matter anyhow? I'm living my life. My family's pretty solid. My kids are doing well. Um, I've got a job. Faith is something that used to be important. It's not important anymore. What is the importance of faith? And then on the other side of that, how do you communicate that to people that maybe weren't raised in the church yeah. or don't see it the, the, way, the way that you see it? Um, I mean, both you and I were both raised in pastor's homes, right? right? Yeah. So um, maybe we had our, our times along the way where we had to make decisions on our own. But, but we came up that way. Yeah. And, um, I certainly didn't. And, and, <laughs> so, and you had yeah. to decide later yeah, on, and it was really at a crisis moment in your life right. that faith was important. So uh, if you didn't grow up in the church or you hadn't had and you're having a crisis moment, <laughs> you're just living your life, how do you communicate the importance yeah. of faith to those folks? Faith is an interesting word. Yeah. You know, for, for me, when I think of the word faith, the New Testament speaks of the faith that was once delivered. Right. Uh, as a church was started, the Bible says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Well, where did the apostles get their doctrine? It was once delivered by Jesus Christ. And so the apostles followed. Those who were saved on the day of Pentecost, when the church was empowered, they followed. You get to the end of the New Testament, near the end, in the book of Jude, they earnestly contended for the faith. So in one sense, the word faith refers to the body of our beliefs, okay? In another sense, it refers to belief in general. And, and I would submit to you that everybody has a faith system. Right. Sure. Um, you know, we, we think of atheism today. It's still a very small part in our society, depending what number you read, way less than 4%, maybe 3.1% would say, I don't believe there's a God at all. Um, but everyone has a faith system. Sure. And to the person who'd say, hey, I'm doing just fine, um, again, not, not casting rocks at culture, but there is a worldview that that's how it's professed. It's called humanism. You know, I can do this myself. Right. So when it comes back to faith in the essence of the body of belief, um, I, what I believe is there is power in the gospel message. And I believe as we declare the truth, that's where the value of faith in our life begins, you know. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Right. And it's through faith that we're saved. The Bible says it's not by works that we've done. Mm -hmm. And so it all has to begin with helping people to understand that Jesus is God the Son who lived, He was buried, He uh, died, He was buried, He rose again the third day. Uh, all the evidence surrounding that, the life's change as a result of it. I, I love to point out that the followers of Jesus died a martyr's death for professing the resurrection. Right. And it, all they had to do was say, no, we're just kidding, and they would have lived, but they knew Jesus was alive, and, right. and that's been perpetuated. So uh, how do you profess it? I, I believe that ultimately I want to be as articulate, uh, as in touch with the ones to whom I'm speaking as possible. At the end of the day, my ultimate responsibility is to please God with how I rightly divide His Word. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe there's, there's power in the gospel message. Romans uh, 1 and verse 16 tells us that, that there is that power, dynamite power in the gospel. I think we sometimes communicate the need for faith in very concrete, um, secular terms. Mm -hmm. You need to believe so that you can have. You need to believe so that you can have either things, you know, God will bless you and you'll have stuff, or purpose or meaning or value to which some would respond, I have purpose, and I have meaning, and I have value. I find purpose and meaning in my family. I have value that I find in the work that I do. And you know, we can find all of those things in a secular meaning apart from God sense. And, and what you communicated there is, is 
is fundamental, right? It's, you don't need to have faith in God so that you can get or receive, although some of those things will come. It's so that you can have a relationship with your Creator. And, and foundationally, I think we all have a desire to have a relationship with you know, the one outside of us or you know, God, um, the one who created us. And, and, and in our search for meaning and value and purpose and stuff, that's what's falling short. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Bible speaks a lot of faith, hope, and love. Those three words go together a lot. And I think hope comes out of our faith when you have a personal conviction that there is a God of love and purpose. It brings us to the place where we can begin for ourselves to answer a lot of these questions the philosophers have asked. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? These yeah. types of things. Um, it changes everything. And, and when we think of millennials specifically, it's very much a, a hopeless demographic in our society. Mm. Uh, the loneliest, the most depressed, the most medicated for depression, anxiety, mm. things of this nature. The highest rate of suicide in a culture, in a culture ever. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and so when, when I see the lack of that, to me yeah. it testifies of the absolute need for God. Yeah. And uh, it, it encourages me to do what I possibly can to help people one-on-one. Yeah. Before we jump into that, I'd love to talk to you for just a second about church. We all know how important church is, but things have gotten kind of twisted sideways of late. We all know that. We're experiencing that. If you're looking for a church, and maybe just an online experience because your normal worship experience is not available to you, check out the church that I attend, coastlineonline.org. It's a church that we've been attending for about 20 years. The music is great. The worship experience is incredible. The preaching is directly from Scripture. And I would invite you to come and be a part of that service with us, coastlineonline.org. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. As a pastor, how do you, how do you help people com- to communicate to reach outside the church? Because so often I see Christians get it wrong. I can, you know, Jeremy and I, outside of, of this show, and uh, one of the things we do in our life is we run Mighty Oaks Foundation where we, we bring the solution of, of Christ to warriors who are struggling with combat uh, trauma, post-traumatic stress, suicide, things like that. And we, we know that's the solution, but many of them are, are uh, re- reluctant to come to a program that's faith-based because of their experience with the church. We just re- I just recently had someone that came through Mighty Oaks uh, found a relationship with God, uh, became restored and healed and is moving forward now. But they said for years their reluctance was uh, to get help for PTSD 
through faith was because someone walked, someone told them uh, from a church told them, um, what you know, or do you have any? Their first thing they said to them was, "Do you have any unrepentant sin in your life?" Mm. Which you know most people wouldn't even know what that means, and and also saying that, suggesting that you did something to cause this in your life. And so just put up a wall with them. So I think many Christians or churchgoers that want to evangelize outside their church just don't have the right words to say. They're so forceful at times and, put, and turn people away. So do you, as a pastor, do you help train your congregation to be able to do that? Yeah, Chad, you're exactly right. You know, I've heard it said I have no problem with Christianity. It's just the Christians I can't yeah. stand. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that that's a fact. R- really in any group, sometimes people will say, I was hurt in a church once. And I always laugh and I make light and I yeah. say, you know, I was hurt when I went to Walmart one time. But, you know, I still go back. Still go, and, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, there's bad experiences to be had. And it's unfortunate. But I also love the way you frame that question. How do you prepare the people? Yeah. And I want to see people reach for Jesus Christ. I, I really believe that the gospel is the answer. It's the answer. Right. And uh, I, again, I know what Jesus has done for me. I know what he can do for others. And when I think of wanting to reach people outside of our church, when, when I'm teaching and preaching uh, at our church, I'm, I'm not preaching to the empty seats, or in other words, those yet to be reached. It's to those within the mm. church. And... Again, when we think of, it sounds weird to say the advent of the Internet. We'd say, well, that's been around for so long. But the fact is, what a dramatic change. I mean, I think that contributes to the loneliness, the isolation. You know, we can have Facebook friends and still practically have not had a meaningful conversation. It's going to take people one-on-one going to others, sharing the love of Christ. It's done across the street. It's done at work in a number of different ways. And so, yeah, I seek to do my best. And, and, and you're right, Christians at times can be obnoxious, and that's certainly not the way to go about it. I think we need to lead with love. And when you look at Jesus, there's, just, there's nothing not compelling about Jesus. And if we would just observe how he was and who he spent time with and how he went about his ministry, I mean, there's the lesson for us right there. So as a pastor, I can never go wrong. And telling our church, hey, look at Jesus, let's do it like he did it. You know? And he was straight, he was truth, mm-hmm. but he was grace. And that yeah. truth without grace is pretty harsh. And uh, he brought the two together beautifully, and that's, that's what we have to work on. Thanks for the time and the conversation. It's been a privilege. Yeah, yeah. really appreciate it. Where can people watching uh, find out more about the church, about yourself? Coastlineonline.org would be a place you could go to learn more about yeah. Coastline Baptist Church. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And everything's going on there. Yeah. And I'm there and, uh, sometimes. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if anybody listening ever makes it through visiting, or if you're local to Oceanside, definitely a great church to visit. Yep. Um, if you're traveling, definitely yep. welcome to stop. I know they're welcome to stop in. Come and, by and say hello. And right yep. outside the, uh, the gates of Camp Pendleton. So That's right. A lot of Marines. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Uh, faith conversation. It's one we have all of the time. Yeah. And we, uh, as you mentioned, consistently try to convince folks <laughs> this is the answer. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... In the vein of what we do at Mighty Oaks, serving our military's warriors, of uh, just bringing a, a faith-based solution yeah. to a specific part of the world's problems, but it's not specific to veterans' issues. Right. I mean, the problems, problems uh, of this world that we live in a broken world, and the problems of this world uh, transcend all different demographics. And uh, but the, the solution is the same. And uh, it, it's funny we we use a phrase uh, we've used it for a long time, Mighty Oaks, and it sounds like a simple phrase, right? right. But uh, if what you're doing isn't working then why not try something different? Right. And uh, that's something different is a relationship with God. And we, we talk about that often. People yeah. will come to these crisis moments and say, well, I can't, I can't try faith. I can't, yeah. I can't even consider God. Um, and what do you have well, to lose? Is what you're doing <laughs> working for you? Because if it's not, yeah. maybe you should at least consider that the Creator has a plan for your life. That's right. That's awesome. 
All right, let's, uh, let's sum up uh, with our situation report, a couple of things to remember as we leave today. And, and the big one is this, I don't think this is a secret to anyone, that the traditional understanding of religion and faith and church, all of those things we used to really have a strong grasp on, uh, the traditional understanding and definition of those things is changing. It is changing. And that's okay, we just need to know that. The second part, though, and this is the second takeaway today, is that Christians, people of faith, churches generally, need to understand how to communicate the need for faith to people in the world. Uh, as was mentioned, the world is changing and things are getting faster and people are involved in so many different things uh, than they used to be. The internet has changed the way we communicate and people inside of the church need to learn how better to communicate to those outside of the church the need for faith. And that's an important thing. The third thing is this. The point was made, and I think it's a great point, that persecution and difficulty has never been a bad thing for the church. We are talking about all of this in the context of the American church. Uh, and our American church has lived in America, <laughs> which brings with it a lot of uh, ease and sometimes a departure from what we know we need in those aspects of faith. But around the world where there is persecution and difficulty, the church uh, and people inside of the church, people who have a relationship with God through Christ, uh, it's growing, and people understand their need for that, and so it may be here. And we look forward to a uh, hope-filled, faith-filled future as a country. Thankful for the opportunity to have this, uh, this conversation, and appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you. And for those of you that are watching or listening, thank you. We'll see you next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.